Welcome to the Road Show. In South Africa, it brings people together, it breaks down barriers. My passion winning to be the best. The best is something we strive for. Sacrifice, the role is high fit. Passion, great. Passion, fiction, ultimate goal. Glory, relentless training, pain. Pain. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a very cool episode of The Row Show, and it's it's that time of the year again, and as you know, we always like to do our annual awards, and today's episode, we're going to go be going through the winners of the, the Row Show Awards for 2023, and we have a special guest host joining Lawrence and I, Sarah Cook from Australia. Sarah, welcome to the show, and thank you very much for you know giving us some of your time. Thanks for having me, guys. Great to be with you. I think, you know, the, you know, Lawrence and I, you know, we spent obviously with the podcast, spent a lot of time uh, having a look at the, the events and stuff. But I think what's going to be very cool is as a sort of commentator, you've also, you know, had a real good eye in the sport. So, you know, having your insight into what an amazing season we had is going to be, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, I'm looking, looking forward to talking about it. It's been a huge year, the Olympic qualifying and Paralympic qualifying year. I think is always the best. Those world championships, um, you know, where there's so many opportunities to qualify, are always the most exciting. And quite often the B finals are the most exciting races of, of the whole event because in um, obviously in many of the different categories, making the A final means that you're going to, to the Olympics or the Paralympics. So actually racing for those minor positions into um, to qualify are really important. So it makes for some really good racing. So it's been a great year. Um, and the worlds in Serbia were fantastic. Yeah, and I mean, it's uh, I agree with you 100%. The the qualification year is always such a, you know, it's an intense year. There's so much on the on the line, and and you know, a lot of people miss out, and it's you know, there's so much pressure on all the racing throughout the whole season, and um, and we and as, I think with a shorter Olympic cycle, you know, with only three years of the Olympic cycle, the turnaround was, was really quick. So it feels like we've just had Olympic qualification for uh, Tokyo and now we're straight back in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Every, every season that goes by, especially I've, I've noticed myself and there's a big recency bias here, but I always feel like the racing just gets better. The competition gets better. The performances get better. And this year, Olympic qualification, I don't know, you know what it is. It's obviously a bit of recency bias, but I do feel like the the standard of racing this year for the Paris Games. Maybe it is that short turnaround time. I, I was just blown away by the overall performances across the regatta. You know, I think a lot of people rocked up with their A game and I think we were really treated to a, you know, a, a whole bunch of amazing racing across many different Olympic events. And like you said, the B finals were a real feast, but also what I loved was the, the video feed of the whole regatta from you know from the heats all the way through to the finals being able to sort of see and watch the rowers journey progress through the different you know heats and the you know rep charges and, and whatnot i think was you know really really something special to watch yeah i feel like there were a couple of nations and i'm sure they come to mind for everyone who really nailed the preparation and had fantastic world championships um yeah, to see that sort of step on and see the standard lift um, was really amazing. And I agree, I feel like the, the entire standard across the World Championships, you know, you couldn't be caught 
napping no one was going to have it easy you, you had to you had to really perform and we and we saw some surprises for sure which i'm sure we'll get into into shortly um there were definitely some upsets um across the championships um and and some crews that really stepped up and i think delivered you know some of their season best and maybe even career best performances and and some who we expected to probably see see podium who didn't quite get there so I think it makes it really exciting for the Olympics and the Paralympics as well, because we know that those crews that maybe didn't quite get where we expected them to or show glimpses earlier in the season to go, well, hang on, is there something happening there? They still have that trajectory and that potential for next year. Mm. And so I feel like Picking the medalists now, you know, not that we ever, <laughs> we don't have all <laughs> like we're, we're never going to pick them right. But if you were to do a sweepstake of, you know, how you think the medals might go for next year, it's really, really hard. Um, it's really hard. There's all of the events um, are, are really quite open, I think, which is really exciting and will make for great racing throughout the 24 season. Definitely. I think the, the the number of boat classes that just have, you know, multiple winners across the season, I think there is, I mean, that's definitely going to make predicting next year really, really tough. And again, that short Olympic cycle, you know, not these, I think a lot of countries haven't like fully established their crews. There's going to still be quite a few changes, I think, going into to next year. Like nothing is definitely feels a bit more up in the air going uh, going forward for the the Paris cycle so yeah I'm, I mean I'm I think we dying to to watch the racing next year and, and see where where everything kind of lands and and I mean there's been so many cool stories already I mean we'll get into the Sinkovich's moving in back mm. into the pair uh, mm. I think that's already quite a, a big move from uh, for the the game so yeah that's just really heating up also for me what was interesting this year is coming to mind there were two nations that i feel like took a big step forward this year compared to last year and the two two nations i'm thinking about are new zealand and the usa and i think there's been a big sort of evolution in the boats that those two countries are fielding i feel like what happened last year and what happened this year are sort of um you know two different chapters of a book like this year it feels like there was a big you know, entry of new boats that we haven't necessarily seen before. And there's not really a continuation from previous cycles. You know, I, I feel like there's a return of the, the men's eight and the women's eight rowers from Tokyo that were so successful in those boat classes that have now filtered into sort of smaller boat classes. And you see them popping up here and there, securing Olympic qualification and, and doing really well. And that's been really exciting to see. And I think that's going to have a big impact. And I think the USA also not just at World Champs, but across the season, has seemed to have sort of, I think, turned around Tokyo where, you know, they qualified every event but didn't medal in any of them. But, you know, this this year there seems to be a good step forward of sending boats, more competitive boats overseas. And I think also a bit of a resurgence maybe in the women's side, I guess, with the, the women's four and, and um, you know, also on the men's side, watching the men's pair and the men's four that I feel like, I don't want to say they came out of nowhere, but they they are fairly new to the block, even though the athletes are fairly experienced. But I th- it was really cool to see these two nations rock up to qualification um, with a re- really fresh-looking team. 
Yeah, I agree. I had a chat to Yosi Vodongshot after the the championship about the work that he's doing in the US. He's obviously the the performance director there and really his approach is quite simple. You know, he comes from federations or has experience in federations that very much have a system and the US as many of you would know is doesn't has never really been systemized. It's such a big country with such um, different levels within its rowing um, and it doesn't really have a a high a national high performance system in the way that many other countries um, do of course it's had extraordinary success um, in different sort of pockets and certainly um, throughout my time as an athlete the US women's eight um, I think one one every year during my entire my entire yeah. rowing career you know so it was like 10 years straight or whatever it was um so it's um it, it has had those pockets of success but Josie Yosie's um approach is really to kind of systemize it and do some of what we would think are maybe reasonably basic structures um in you know whether it's the Netherlands or Australia or New Zealand he's just putting some of those building blocks in so you know, I think if he's able to be successful with that, then we are going to see um, greater and continued success across the programs. But there's no doubt that there's been a resurgence there, and particularly with their women, um, you, you know, really starting to, to become dominant again, particularly in sweeps. So that's going to be really interesting to watch that evolve. Um, there's always difficulties when you're trying to change um, systems and the way that people do things. I mean, we've certainly experienced that in Australia, although we're sort of two cycles through having our centralised um, model, which we only put in place in 2017. So um, it takes time. It takes time and there'll be ups and downs. But I think, um, you know, some of the stuff he's trying to do is, is really interesting and I think could lead to good performance outcomes. And you, um, you referenced the Kiwis. Um, after Lucerne, I had a real sense that the Kiwis were going to time things well into into Paris next year. They really showed up. They didn't have that many boats. And like you say, there's not that many returning athletes, but what they do have is excellent quality in, in the boats. You know, that lightweight women's double, obviously Emma Twig in the women's single, Tom McIntosh having his breakthrough year in the men's single. There's just a, a few boats now in those smaller boats um, that are really starting to hit their stride. And, you know, I think that they've probably got about, you know, maybe four genuine medal um, prospects um, into in on oh, of course they men's four oh, yeah of course <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah so they've probably got yeah four four medal prospects for for next year which is is really exciting I feel like another team that we we also cannot um, talk about is the the Dutch the Dutch team I feel you know in, the, in all of my like past seasons when I was rowing they they always had like really really good athletes and good crews but their performances would be like a little bit inconsistent so they'd like one regatta they would nail it and then the next regatta they would struggle and they'd often struggle at like world champs and the the bigger races where I feel like this cycle is a big step up from from the Dutch side they've just const like the consistency of like performance every regatta mm. has just kind of gone up and up and I mean their world champs was unbelievable yeah, the World Champs was just incredible and it had that real sense of momentum of a team that was well prepared and then was feeding off the results of every crew that came down the track, you know, and then 
that started to build like almost an unwavering belief across the team that every boat that went out was going to perform. Um, you know, it was just, it was perfectly timed. I think the way that their team is structured means that you can have that confidence because from what I understand, they have a small number of coaches across the entire team. The The preparation is very consistent across the team. So, you know, if one crew's doing well and well prepared, well, probably so are we and so is the next crew. So it, it does help to build that confidence um, across the entire team, which we just started to see as, as the results um, came in. So, yeah, look, a, an amazing championship for the Dutch. Um, you know, the million-dollar question is can they replicate next year at the Olympics? I think especially every time I see a event and a performance of World Champs, and I'm just like, how is someone going to beat that? And then <laughs> I remember saying that to myself in 2019, and then Tokyo comes around, and then I look at the results, and so many, I just feel like so many events, they were upsets. You know, they were they were winners that weren't the World Champions in 2019. Like, I think about the Chinese men's double in 2019. What a performance they had, and I was like, how is... How is someone going to beat them? And then, you know, Tokyo comes along and proves proves us wrong. So, yeah, I think, you know, the expect the unexpected. But I want to, you know, in the conversation, I think cast a little bit of um, light on the smaller nations, you know, might not have the massive sort of depth and funding of the bigger nations, but, you know, have their excellence in, you know, their boat classes and, and just chat mm. about them. And I think one crew that I want to shine a bit of light on and, it's not a crew that we're going to speak about in the awards later, but a crew that I think has been doing exceptionally well consistently over the years, and that's the Chilean Abraham sisters from the women's pair who picked up a qualification and an A-final um, performance in the women's pair. And I think a really brave regatta from them and just seeing them celebrating after the semifinal, getting that a final and the qualification, I think, was very special. For me, the what really, when you really understand how much it means is when people are celebrating, making it into the A final, you know, celebrating like they've won a medal. And like for them, flying the the country of Chile, they flag really high on the international rowing stage is, is really cool to see. I agree. And I really like that world rowing amplified that this year and, and that they had, you know, the qualified sign and, and, because it is so important, you know, it's that saying, I guess, once an Olympian or once a Paralympian, um, always an Olympian and always a Paralympian. And that, that really does mean a lot um, to, to so many people who achieve it. And I think, you know, in sport and in rowing, you're always eyes on the prize, the next thing, right? And, and when you're training at that level and you're focused on Olympic performance, sometimes you can get there and achieve it and not even take stock of what it is that you've done. It's just like, all right, well, now I'm focused on performance and I want to have my best result there and maybe I maybe I want to win a medal or, or whatever that might be. So you're always sort of looking forward and I think to take that moment um, to really celebrate that achievement is incredibly special and, mm. um, you know, there are some, some nations and, and for some athletes where, you know, that, that will be a life-defining and a career-defining achievement and I think that that was really it's really special and it does remind you what it's all about when you see that kind of celebration so yeah I agree I those those moments always get me um you know on the commentary when you when you see the the crews cross the line and the, and they've you know hit a goal for themselves and you can see what it means to them and you kind of 
you know, it sounds a bit cliche, but you see the power of sport, you see what it what it means mm. and what it does for people. And I yeah, I just love that. Yeah, I think that's, you know, incredibly well said. I don't know if Lawrence and I could have put that there. <laughs> like as you know, the you know, we've all we've all been to the Olympics and it is a very special thing. I think I I remember the first time I went to the Olympics. I, I kind of got there and I sort of had a eureka moment. I was like, I understand why people are putting so much work into getting here. It's just having a, a, a chance to represent your country at, you know, the world's biggest stage. And especially for rowing where like there's such a big emphasis on that four-year cycle and getting to the Olympics and getting a chance to race against the, the best in the world and, and go for those medals. It is, is truly something special. And I think, on that note, we should probably start heading into, you know, awards and, uh, you know, chatting about the different awards. So just to explain to the listeners out there, we started this process by getting our Patreons, who are our biggest supporters, to sort of decide on the nomination. So they voted on who do you th- who we should select to go to the voting phase. And in the voting phase, we opened it up to the public on our, our Rocha Awards uh Google spreadsheet and also on social media to then vote in those categories. And just to give a quick run through of the categories, there were the best in female, best in male, best boat class of the year, breakthrough crew of the year, performance of the year, and the Olympic award, which we'll get to later. So I think let's get into the boat class of the year. And I think starting off, Sarah, let's chat about the women's four. Like for me, it's the still the new the new Olympic event and the event that I feel like is evolving the most and it's just getting more competitive. You know, what are the, some of the highlights for you, uh, for you from the women's four? Yeah, look, it's, you know, this is a really special boat class for me. It wasn't an Olympic boat class when, when I came through, but it's, it's my favorite boat both to watch and to row. And so to see, um, I guess, gender parity in that and to see it come into the Olympics for the women, you know, was really, really exciting um, because for, for many years while I was commentating, the men's four was such an amazing um, boat class and event to watch. So, you know, I, I think over these two cycles, the standard has really stepped on. Obviously, Australia were pretty dominant in that leading up to Tokyo and, and took the gold medal, um, which I was very happy about. But, um, you know, we haven't, we certainly haven't had it our way this cycle. You know, there's so many really strong contenders in it. Um, but, you know, it was another scout that the Dutch ultimately took, but, you know, the Romanians, the Brits, the Americans, and and to just on the Romanians, I mean, what is what is going on there? Like to see <laughs> to see Elizabeth Leeper, you know, such a legend in the sport. She's in in the sports ministry now, she's in the government, and she's I think the president of the Federation and she's at every event and I've talked to her a few times and um it really is the Romania of old, you know, it's that women's sweet rowing in Romania was legendary when I was an athlete and to see that coming back with her sort of leading it is really, really cool. Yeah, she's a, a high on our list of, of people to to get on the show because she has, yeah, I mean, there's just so many, the, the results that she has just unbelievable. So yeah, she's she's right up there for us. And then I think going back to what we were dis- discussing on the women on the on some of the boat classes, and I think the women's four is it's it's just wide open. You know, every regatta you're gonna you're gonna turn on and you're gonna watch some some awesome racing come down the track, and it's really hard to predict exactly who's gonna win because the racing is 
is really tough. I mean, we even had, I mean, I know World Cup one was small, but still Chile taking a win there and, you know, just showing that the, the kind of the depth that, that adding the women's four to the, the program has added to kind of that women's rowing uh, side of, of the program has been unbelievable. So I think it's such a good one to, to start off with and start our chat about our, our awards. And yeah, so the women's four came came away with seven uh, percent of the vote, and the next one on the list is men's eights. I think it's been always a popular event, and what a season! And I think Sarah, massive upset, and I think out of all the countries, the most excited, I suppose, are the Australians about the Australian men's eights. Who's it's always been a project. I feel like of of Australia. And I mean, what a performance! I feel like there's there seems to be a core group of of guys um, at Australia that have developed this men's eight, and they put out such a good performance at Lucerne. But again, you know, the GB men's eight have been spectacular, and of course, you you would be amiss to not speak about the Romanians and the Dutch, and of course, the Germans too, who have made this year particularly special. Yeah, look. Uh- obviously, I'm going to have a bias, but um, the the Aussie men's eight. <laughs> You know, I think that's a really cool story. They they were sort of the the young guys last year in, in 2022. And, you know, the the um, both the pair and the four were selected ahead of the eight. So it was just a bunch of young guys, many of them rookies. You know, they, they really created something and got themselves onto the podium. And then this year they were just, they just had a momentum about them. And I, I just felt they were going to win in Lucerne. I just, I, I knew how they were going in training. I knew how they'd been developing over the year, and I just felt like they're going they're going to win this, um, and they did. And it was the first time since 1986 that an Australian men's eight has won an international race, which is huge. Mm. And you know, there are definitely times in the last thirty odd years that we've had probably an Australian men's eight, which is easily had the lowest ergo, you know, combined ergos on the course. No doubt about it. You look at it and you're like, that is an eight full of monsters. The ergo is probably five seconds on average better than every other boat. Yeah. But they just couldn't make it happen. They just couldn't make the eight work. And But this eight has a real clarity of purpose, a real clarity of, of training methodology, of technique. Um, and I think the world's for them, a number of our Aussie crews probably fell a little bit under expectation in terms of their preparation. So I, you know, the British taking nothing away from them, they were they were just a class act and that kind of consistency is what delivers results, right? Like you can't be a flash in the pan yeah. to, and, and expect to win a Worlds or an Olympics. You have to be a class crew. The British are undoubtedly that. But I think, you know, don't write off the Aussies for next year. This is a boat with a purpose that's just marching on. So I think I think it's, it's going to be really exciting in the men's aid. And in the men's and the women's aids, haven't been this open for for a long time obviously no one a year or two years before could have predicted what was going to happen in tokyo in the men's eight yeah it's crazy right but um you know i think i think both of those events are really open and really exciting but you know for me to the performance of of the year on the whole was to see what that aussie men's eight did because i think it gave us a glimpse of their capability no, for sure that the the eight race is, is going to be unbelievable. I think in in Paris, and I think it's hard to mm. to say both men's and women's eights. Oh, it's mm. really hard to say who's gonna who's gonna be there performing. 
And also another interesting piece about the, the, the men's eight was starting to see a few guys doubling up. You know, we saw the Romanians start to double up fours and, and eight. And I don't think it worked particularly well for mm. them this season, but still really interesting because it's often a, a topic on our, on the show, you know, talking about a lot of the, the top female athletes doubling up in the, you know, the doubles and the, the pairs into the eight. And now we started to see you know, a few people on the, on the guy's side starting mm. to, to do it, which is, I think, really exciting and, and really interesting for, to bring that dynamic into the, the, the men's side of things. But, you know, they didn't go so well. So I'm interested to see what they plan next season and if that changes their performance quite a bit for the, the remainders. Yeah, 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 I agree. I agree. It didn't, they didn't really hit the mark. But, um, you know, it, I guess what, qualifying does do is it gives you options right and that's that's what it's all about ultimately um so yeah it'll be really interesting to see what they target and if they employ that strategy again or if they really just put their athletes where they think they're going to have the best medal chance yeah and then another another event that has sort of in my head been blown wide open the last two seasons quite similar to the women's four is the is the women's quad and from from a you know, Tokyo, I feel like the Chinese had such strong dominance in that event and to this season where it was kind of blown completely open, you know, we had a multitude of different winners at, you know, different levels. Ukraine, uh, you know, European champions, which was exceptional considering the difficulties that that country is facing at the moment. You know, China picking up a win at the Second World Cup. Um, the Netherlands picking up a win at Third World Cup. And then for me, I did not see this coming, which, you know, um, Great Britain, who managed to put out, I feel like, one of the performances of the regatta to pick up the World Championship title um, in the women's quad. And definitely, I feel like a, an event that has sort of one of the most potential candidates for Olympic medalists going into the next season. Like anyone, I feel like, from those I've mentioned and even more, could probably end up on the podium next year. Yeah, I think... Um... I agree that for me was one of the the upsets or turn-ups of the season um, with Britain taking that women's quad skull. It's coached by Andrew Randall, who's the women's head coach over in Britain um, from Australia. So the, actually the women's quad from Australia that came fifth in that race, three of the four of them were coached by Andy and, and picked up the bronze in, in Tokyo. So, you know, he's, he's doing a great job there and I, yeah, that was a surprise as well. Like like you said, last year I thought no one's gonna no one's gonna touch the Chinese. Um, but they just really have their performances sort of degraded over time. They just haven't been able to hold that form, you know, that they won the Olympics with. And and yeah, I I, I thought the Dutch I thought the Dutch would have taken it. So huge huge turn up for for Britain to take the win in that in that event. And that you know, they you know, thirteen percent of the vote, and I think the two big outliers in this uh, event, I mean, in this category for for us was the the men's pair who was second, and the ultimate winner of the best bows class of the year for twenty twenty three was the the men's double with thirty seven point eight percent of the vote. So it was pretty pretty evenly spread across the field. But I think speaking about both these events, uh, they are quite similar. I think out of all the events in world rowing at the moment, the most in my mind, the most competitive events are the, the men's double and the, and the men's pair, and particularly the men's double. I feel like the 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 absolute pedigree and the quality of crews from A finals all the way down is is amazing. And I think, you know, 
seeing the the American double miss out on Olympic qualification at World Champs after what they have been doing is ridiculous. So, you know, no surprise for me to have those two events as the the people's favorite the, um, bow classes of, of the year. Yeah, I agree. It's, um, it's interesting watching both of those events because they were probably the two, like you say, we're at the start line, you're just watching it going, oh, this, this really could go in any direction. I think ultimately in the men's stubble, you know, the Dutch, I mean, they, they were just, they were just untouchable from like first stroke to last. They were just untouchable down the track. I thought they were really, really special. Um, so, yeah, I can imagine for the Sinkoviches sitting there going, oh, what do we do? You know, it was like three seconds, like, and they just were really, the door was never open for them um, in that race. Um, so um, yeah. I think that, yeah, that Dutch double, much like the entire Dutch team, was just spectacular from, from first stroke to last. So, yeah, it's, that's going to be really interesting coming into next year. Um, I'm not, yeah, I'm not convinced that the Dutch will do what they did at the World Championships at the Olympics. Um, you know, happy to be proven wrong. Actually, no, I wouldn't be happy to be proven wrong. Um, but, <laughs> um, but um, no, I... Uh, yeah, I think the Olympic year is just a whole whole different um, kettle of fish. So we'll see we'll see how they um, how they go. But certainly in that event in the men's double, they they were very very impressive. Um, the men's pair, I look at it was hard to tell because the conditions were so so variable throughout the days of the finals, but. Um, certainly as a percentage of world best time, it wasn't the strongest of, of the races. It was, in fact, the weakest of, of that day of racing. So although it was wide open, is the top speed there? Are there faster pairs now to, to come in and go, hey, we think there's an opportunity um, in this event? So I, that's one that I do think is is wide open. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I thought the when I was voting for football class of the year, I was... I mean, for sure, the, the men's double kills the, the, the men's pair every time. I, I've got to... Sure. <laughs> it's so much... Well, no. The boat class of the year, I mean, it, the, the, the pedigree of athletes racing in the double was just outrageous this season. We had athletes mm. coming from all sorts of different boat classes and different previous results to come in and really uh, throw down in the in the double. And the, and the competitiveness of that field was just ridiculous and that was often at the top of the of the percentage sheets you know if you look at those world best times it was often right close to the top whereas the men's pair was uh, often at the at the lower end and i think that's such a good point sarah and i think uh, and uh, that makes me bring up the the sinkovich now moving back into the into the the pair which is really funny because when we chatted to them we chatted to them after Tokyo and they were mm. so happy moving back into the double because I think mm. they didn't really enjoy the the pair that much. I think they never felt as comfortable in the pair as they felt in the in the double. So now to see them, you know, moving back and it's still quite an early call. I'm surprised that they've like put that yeah. out so publicly so, so quickly, early yeah. on. And yeah, part of me still thinks maybe they they're playing a bit of a bit of games, but they are pretty straight. Straight shooters, straight shooters. Yeah. So I think that, yeah, really, really interesting. My so I've got yeah. So I I I've got two hot takes in the hot take in the men's <clears throat> hot take in the men's pair. And I'm gonna put this out there. And there's a lot of bias that goes into this. 
I do believe that the men's pair has got the fastest world record. <laughs> I think what the Kiwi pair, the standard that they set, mm. is 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 really uh, extremely fast. And I think we looked at the data. The next closest time that's not the Kiwi pair time is the six thirteen. That's five seconds off the world record. Yeah. So I do think um, the whoever races in the men's pair is going to be have a real hard time if you look at numbers and you, you care about the prog sheet on mm. ranking high. So I think sometimes you, when people look at the data and the progs and the world record percentages, it can be a little bit, throw things a little bit too out of context. And my second hot take is I really do believe that the men's double record is going to break. And I think it's going to go, I think a 557 is, uh, is the time that a men's cards. double can go. I truly believe on the cards that's it's going to happen. I just think the the competitiveness, the pedigree of the crews on a fast track, we were going to see a, a, a fast time. But Not sure if we'll get that embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. No, for sure. But uh, going back, though, it, even in the most perfect conditions, I don't think there's a pair at the moment that can go anywhere close to to six or eight. So mm. I think that's also where maybe the, the, the standard of the, of the event is just still lack, like still needs someone to, to come in and, and kind of take it by the horns. But I mean, we have seen, um, you know, uh, Tom George and, and Ollie Wayne Griff, Griffith really, they have had moments where they've been going really, really fast. Mm. So, mm. Um, so yeah, I think that we'll have to see this next yeah. season coming up, but the the double winning boat class of the year for for us I think that's a really good start for our our Roche awards and I think very well deserving and then going into our, our second category the breakthrough uh, of the year that's kind of the, the the crew or athletes that have had the biggest kind of breakthrough of their career this this last season and yeah it's also we, the debut it's it, we we said that it has to be a debut season in the event they can't, can't have raced this event in, mm. in previous seasons okay so it's newcomers and then so i think for for us the the first two um kind of we have four nominees and uh, the top two winners win by quite a bit so the entry the first two New Zealand men's uh, skull and the Netherlands men's skull, Jake. Yeah. Tell us, talk us through it there. Well, Sa- Simon, what's cool is like, th- there's, this is a really good pairing here, is, is Simon van Dorp and Thomas McIntosh, who I think Thomas, you know, he's had, his Lucerne race was amazing. And obviously what championships, I couldn't believe what he was able to do. And then, you know, Simon van Dorp, just again, the Dutch sculling system is ridiculous. Having all these Dutch scholars, we spoke to Oli Zeidler and I just said to him, I'm like, every time you see a new Dutch scholar, it must give you nightmares because of <laughs> what they can do. So, yeah, I think, you know, from both of them in, in the men's skull debut season, finishing on the podium, uh, you know, what a, what a, what a breakthrough. I think, you know, easy, it was a fairly easy nomination um, for our Patreon group. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, for me, I voted for Tom McIntosh in this. I'll, I'll disclose my voting. I just think what he's doing is really interesting. I He's just someone who with literally every race seems to get better. You know, I think we're seeing the beginning of, of the, you know, the, the new Kiwi scholar, right? You know, we've seen um, obviously Mahe um, as as just such a legend of, of the sport and of New Zealand rowing. And, um, you know, Robbie Manson obviously had a period of time where he was 
he was winning the single and uh, Rob Waddell um, before both of them. And, um, you know, I, I think that Tom has that capability. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if he sticks with it over the coming years because he's got every chance to establish himself in the same way. So, you know, we know that the Kiwis are incredibly strong in, in the small boats and, you know, I think we're seeing a resurgence of that. And, yeah, I just, like you said, I, I thought that Tom's performance was, was so impressive yeah, I, I would expect him to to stay there and dominate that event in the future. Jeez, good call. I think, um, <laughs> although I, I don't know, it's hard to to go against Ali as well. So I think going forward, it's going to be a tough few few years in the in the men's yeah. single. Yeah, and then moving to the the top end of the the the, the breakthrough of the year. So we have got two crews from the the men's pair. And I also don't agree very well with the. Yeah, the, I the, don't agree with the results. <laughs> the results. <laughs> but we have uh, two pairs: the the Swiss men's pair and the Irish men's pair, both having incredible uh, seasons, first seasons in the in the boat class. But uh, the Irish on the voting came out on top, even though the the Swiss were the ones who came away with uh, the world champs. Jake, tell us. What, you know what? This is why that. I love these awards because people <clears throat> just vote. And uh, I've, I think we've got a very strong base, uh, borders in, in Ireland. So massive shout out to all our Irish uh, listeners out there. You guys are the best. And you certainly pulled through for your crew. So the, the, the winners for the uh, breakthrough award of the season, and definitely deservedly so, are the Irish men's pair of Ross Corrigan and Nathan Timoney. I think in second place, again, what an incredible season is the Switzerland men's pair of Andrew Gulick and Roman Rusley who I think have put out incredible performances. And I must say, I was taken a little bit off guard on both these pairs' performances at World Champs, to be to be completely honest. I think Irish were good in Lucerne, but they I think they were like a typical young crew going on really hot and then sort of not having the stamina in the second thousand. But then at World Champs, you know, there was a real aggression to the way they race. And, you know, the Irish definitely... I think took a lot of people by surprise with them ending up on the podium and the Swiss becoming world champions, I think are very easy for me. The, the top performing, you know, de- debutante crews of the, of the season. Yeah. Look, no argument for me um, around the Swiss. Yeah. The, the voting's a, a bit skewed. I mean, how do you, yeah, I guess the, the criteria for being a breakthrough crew is, is going to be entirely subjective, but I think for me, it's a bit hard to put, a bronze medal crew over a gold medal winning crew in, in the same <laughs> event. So for that reason, I'd say deserving winners would be the Swiss, but, you know, not taking nothing away from, from both boats, an incredible season. And to be on the podium in, in your debut season in, in an event is, is very, um, you know, spectacular. Mm. So maybe mm. like Roman Rusli, like, He's been around for a long time. You know, he's raced a lot mm. of Olympics. He's he's done quite a bit. So maybe that's where he's maybe he's not quite a, a breakthrough. He's mm. had a breakthrough season in the in the pair, but he's not necessarily a, yeah. a, a new kid on the on the block at all. Yeah, so. I suppose. But that's I think what's point. cool about these two, both these crews came out the men's for from last year. Mm. Both of them are times. And now, just to add to the rivalry. Both are, you know, Roshow Award nominees. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot to fight for going into the Olympic season. Just of that list, it just kept getting better yeah. better, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. And now we're going to throw the, the Sikoviches in there as well. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, geez, yeah. that's going to make it spicy. So congrats to the, the Irish men's pair on winning the Breakthrough Crew of the Year. Next category we're going to be chatting about is the best single performance by an athlete and crew. So we're trying to isolate one performance and not, it's again, it's not looking at the overall season. You know, we're not interested in like their consistency. We're just looking for single performances that were you know, unbelievable. We've already spoken, you know, we've spoken about the men's eight and, you know, what incredible season they had at Lucerne. I think to pick things up, we have the French lightweight men's double, you know, who have been slowly chipping away after, you know, they, they sort of like after their performance in Rio, you know, winning the, the gold day with Jeremy Azun and Pierre Horn and having this new crew coming in, slowly chipping away and picking up a win at Lucerne and an incredible performance against the Irish, I think was, again, an, another sort of easy nomination and definitely a race that stuck out in my mind of, uh, of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I often say it on the commentary, I'm unashamedly biased when it comes to the Australians. <laughs> um, and, uh, <laughs> and now I'm the CEO, I have to be. So um, I'm, I'm definitely there on the Aussies for Lucerne because it was just like a, a highlight of a moment for, for my entire season, um, you know, um, which was, was really amazing to watch and, and knowing what that meant, mm. not only to the guys, but to our country. Um, so, you know, for me, there's a lot of emotion tied up in, in that result and, and looking forward to what they might achieve. So um, I'm, I'm 100% there with the Aussie men's eight, but I think, yeah, the, the French sliding men's double for all of the reasons that you've just said were um were so impressive and, and I just think, you know, just showing a bit of tenacity and and, and and you know, some pedigree to to be able to do what they did. And the the Dutch the Dutch women's pair I mean, again, <laughs> that's a difficult uh, one for you, Sarah. Aussie bias. <laughs> that's, that's a little bit of a tougher one to swallow because um, the only race that Jess and Annabelle lost the entire season was the final yeah. um, at the World Championships, and they went under world best time um, at Hollenbecker. So, you know, to for the only race you lose to be the World Championship finals, a bit rough. Um, you know, I, yeah, I'm, they're still, I'm still backing them in as favourites. But I was watching that women's pair race in the commentary going. If you as a coach were going to give your crew that you thought might do something mm. and go and, and turn around a result against all odds, they executed exactly how you would tell them to race it. Like they just went out and um, and took the race by the scrub of the neck. You, you could see in, in the second 500, Jess and Annabelle sort of looking around like, oh, my God, what is happening here? Um, and they were just never able to, to reel them back in. So I thought it was a perfectly executed race from a perfectly executed world championships for that Dutch women's Yeah, team. I, I 100% agree with you. And I, again, what I love about this is that it's just setting up such a good rivalry because both these crews raced each other at Tokyo in the in the women's fall. Mm. And that was an absolute blind of a final. And then the, you know, the Australian women coming back into the event, I think the big thing for me was what's going to happen when Jessica and Annabelle get back in the pair. And they've definitely still set, I think, from a speed point of view, they've still set standard, I think, even though they didn't come away with the win. But, you know, Veronique and Imke Kleveling, they, what makes it special is that they, you know, put up a performance that I suppose not everyone was expecting. I think everyone, if I'm being completely honest, were expecting the Australian women's pair to kind of go out and take the win. And, like, they just proved us all wrong by putting that performance out and see why they 
came away with the with the nomination and performance of the year. Absolutely. And here we have an interesting situation that <clears throat> after all the voting, we have a tie for the winner in performance of the year, believe it or not. And that's between Lennox van Lierop's performance at Europeans coming away with the win and upsetting Ali Ziedler and then the GB lightweight women's scholars who raced at the second World Cup and broke the record again. And like, if I'm being honest in my mind, this is an easy winner and I'm glad we can take control. I agree. This is so, I'm so glad that as the, as the hosts of the show, we can take control from the people <laughs> and decide who the winner is for once. Because I think, you know, no disrespect to Lee Rob, who had an amazing performance, but I think the, you know, the GB lightweight woman who broke the record again and have set an unbelievable standard but as a performance that race at the second world cup is what without a doubt for me the performance of the year i absolutely agree i think you know the the dutchman's scala you know that was maybe like show up of the year <laughs> performance of the year to obviously have that result that they did at the world cup but backed up by everything else they've achieved, you know, to win the world championship in the lightweight women's double by two and a half seconds, basically boat length is, is quite extraordinary that the caliber of that crew and how untouchable they are. And then to put, to lay that, that world best performance in, in on top of it. I just think that they are, um, you know, and I feel like I've said this word time and time again, but they are extraordinary. Um, and I think that they will be very, very hard to touch at the uh, at the Olympics next year. So, you, you know, and that's a tough field. Like the American Lighty Women's Double, the um, the Romanians, the Canadians, the Kiwis. Like I really think that the mm. Kiwis, that's one of the crews for me that showed some real glimmers that they, they could get themselves into medal contention in that event. So, yeah, I, I find it hard to go past the British uh, Lightweight Women's Double as mm. well. Also, like we... You know, going into the Tokyo Games, we, we always said, no, this world record needed to, to go. It was, you know, they were getting so close to it all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it it dropped and it dropped a lot. So I think, you know, it's now a pretty respectable record. And to then beat it in a season where not a lot of medals got broken. It's the, the only medal. Yeah. The record. I mean, I mean, only record that, that got broken. You know, it's... Uh, it's incredible that they that they managed to to pull that off, and just you know their gutsy crew as well. You know Emily Craig coming out at the beginning of the season saying on uh, on interview yeah. that she wanted to to <clears> have unbeaten. an unbeaten season is <laughs> quite a, a claim. And in the in the lightweight women's double, which we already know is the mm. super competitive, really really tight field where things can can change so quickly. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think they they definitely need to need to take the win on on this on this award here. And I mean, what an incredible performance that 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 specific one was. Yeah, definitely. So moving on, we always like putting in a sort of an interesting take on the season's racing, and and we don't always like to have the same categories each year to sort of mix things around. And obviously, this year it was all about qualif- qualification for the Olympics. On the road show, we wanted to celebrate the crews that were fighting to get that qualification and sort of represent the sort of the spirit of the sport, the spirit of the Olympics. And um, with the Olympic Lord, we were looking for the athlete crew that showed perseverance, tenacity and metal to secure the Olympic qualification. You know, they were ultimately tested and managed to come out on top. I think uh, 
to start off, we had sort of two sort of um, athletes that had really good seasons. And I think the first one is Magdalena Lobnik, who I think is a household name at this point, having a good season with her sister in the double. Sister unfortunately got injured and she had to race the skull. And but to no one's surprise, she still managed to secure a qualification, which was amazing. And then, you know, in a sort of similar scenario, um, John Smith, full-time job, very, very top row from South Africa, coming into the system at quite a late period, getting to the men's pair and uh, qualifying uh, boats, our only boat for Olympic Games. And also, you know, that's the first time we've had an A finalist in a World Championship Olympic event for a very long time. So I think those are two, I think, really good athletes that have had so much experience in the sport and, you know, just continue to add so much value and just show what it means to be, you know, Olympic athlete. Yeah. I think from, from my side with, uh, with John, you know, it's also his fourth Olympic Games to, to qualify for. And there's not, many, there's not many athletes out there that have done four Olympic Games. You mm. know? So I think just adding to kind of what he's done for, for South African rowing is also quite a, quite a cool thing to, to have him on our, on our list. And yeah, for, for Magdalena as well, that's, she's not had an easy mm-hmm. cycle at all. Um, so then to come away with that qualification is, is big. And we were chatting about it, how important the qualification is and how big it is for, you know, these, for athletes and for the countries, you know, it's, there's so many rowers out there and, you know, there's so few Olympic qualification seats and, and places. And it really, when you're watching the the world champs and you're watching those B finals and those Olympic qualification races, that's where you really see the kind of mm. how seriously people take and how big the the Olympics really is and how how important it is for rowers and and athletes in general to to make it to the the games. Yeah, I I really agree. And on that point, you know, those having the two winners of the B finals, the Mexican lightweight men's double and the Irish lightweight women's double. You know, they both won their B finals. They both secured spots for the Olympic Games next year. And I think it feeds into exactly what you've just said there and, and what we spoke about at the beginning of the episode, you know, what it means to, to be an Olympian and, and to secure that. Um, you know, they were really gutsy races. And I remember watching both of them and, and especially that the Mexican lightweight men's double. You know, for me, that is that's what it's all mm. about. And that's where you know, that real joy in the Olympic and Paralympic qualifying year comes from. So, you know, for me, I, I think it's hard to split to split those two. Um, you know, whenever you see athletes outside of, you know, the big federations and outside of Europe particularly, like you've just outlined with John and also with the, with the Mexicans, you know, I think that that starts to showcase um, some of the diversity of our sport, but also there is so much more to overcome when you're outside these big federations mm. and outside of the systems, you know, just to, there's so much more that goes into those performances than what we see on the water. And, and for that reason, I think the Mexican lightweight men's double have really had a great season and, and to see them take the win in the B final was, was really awesome. Yeah, it was, it was awesome to see. And actually the, I voted for the Mexican lightweight men's double, even though they didn't win the Olympic award. I do think they, they sort of took my took my vote with their performance as a season. The ultimate winner of the event were, were the Irish lighty women, I think, who came away with just under 30% of the vote. In that event, I mean, we've always been huge advocates of the lightweight women's double as the absolute gladiatorial event. And then, of course, for me, 
I mean, everyone, when we were nominating, a lot of the nominations just said the Romanian team for qualifying so many boats. So I sort of took that and picked the mm -hmm. two boats from Romania that really sort of encapsulates for me the Romanian, Romanian rowing style and rowing spirit. And for me, it's like that never say die attitude and that just aggressive, really like, to, you know, if you're racing Romanian, you, you, you're going to be in a fight right until the line. <laughs> and the Romanian men's squad and the Romanian men's four who both won the B finals in their events, they had to pull out big performances to, to be able to do that. So I think a big shout out to, to them for, for securing their Olympic qualification spots in true Romanian fashion. Yeah. You know, that brings us to the, I suppose, the two ultimate awards on our show. And uh, I think that is the best in male and best in female to kind of rec represent the sort of MVPs of the sport. In both categories, we're looking for the, the best athletes or crew from across all the different boat classes and all the different regattas of the season who performed ultimately the best and will be the, you know, the best uh, female or best male and to start off with in the best and male category we had the uh, the gb men's four german men's scholar Oli zeidler and the swiss men's pair who we've been speaking about and uh, to kick things off i think you know the swiss men's pair came away with 26 percent of the votes you know we've spoken about them incredible season in a competitive event and it came down to a very close voting race between the gb men's four and the and Oli zeidler and the men's skull i personally thought the GB men's four after not this this season but last season for me were the best in male, but the the world thought that Ali Zeidler in the in the men's single was the best in male this year with thirty seven and a half percent of the votes and you can see why I think he's going from strength to strength I think he's becoming a, a people's favorite and he's definitely setting a market I feel like in the men's single skull that's going to be the person to, in my mind, the person to beat going into the Olympic year. For sure, Jake. And I don't know how you didn't vote for, did you vote for Ali? No, I, vote, I told you I voted for the British. Oh, uh, no, come now, Jake. How do you not vote for Ali? He, <laughs> had the, he had the best season he's ever had and with the best racing that, that, he's, that he's had. He laid down some some incredible performances. So, I mean, I agree the British had a, had a great year, but yeah, I think Ali takes the cake easily. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Sarah, we... I totally agree. I voted, I voted for Ollie, 100%. He's just unbelievable. I mean, watching him at the Worlds, it's like, you know what it's like being in his head? He must just go, God, I'm so good. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it, like, it's almost like a joke. Like, he's just he's just out there front, like, all right, yeah. come at me. Um, you know, I think he's just, he's getting better and better. You know, we know early on that there were some issues with, with handling rough conditions. And I mean, we still see that a little bit from time to time, but that I think is lessening as he gets more training time under his belt and as he gets more racing under his belt and he's becoming more and more reliable with his performances. So, you know, I think um, I just don't see that there could be anyone that could challenge him for the, for the win next year. And for that reason, I think he's definitely the best in, in the male mm. class because we've just spoken about how open every event is and, and how anything could happen, probably except in this yeah. event. I really think he's he's the one. Also, he's like, he's, as you said, he's learning so much as he goes. But I think, like, physically, he's the best athlete at world rowing. Like, he's got the, mm. the biggest engine. He, like, his work ethic, everything just seems so, like, precise and, and 
dialed in. But then obviously he's lacking a whole lot of like experience and training that a lot of athletes, you know, that have started at, at a school level have. So, you know, when we chatted to him the other day, just the way he like approaches racing and the way he kind of is learning and he said he'll go out on one race to try like a specific thing, you know, in the, in the race and he will execute that, like that will be his focus. So, and he's just getting better and better. And I think, yeah, I think it's going to be very, very hard to, to come close to him next mm. season. I think there, there are obviously situations that, you know, could, could, could throw him off, but I, I think those are getting smaller and smaller, you know, every, every regatta. Yeah. And I, I, uh, you know, I think, you know, Oli, from what you guys have said, and, uh, you know, from what we've spoken, spoken about over the show, you know, it is, it is a quite an easy sort of win in this category. But, you know, for me, when I voted for the GB Men's 4, I, I just think they've come, you know, into events after, and I, maybe I can see why Sarah didn't vote for the GB Men's 4, but I thought they've had <laughs> over two seasons, you know, being unbeaten in event like that. And, like, they are a, a fairly new crew, that you know they they didn't race at uh, Tokyo as far as I know, and um, a new crew, a new combination coming into the season last year, and uh, being undefeated again this season, laying down the marker and having incredible performances. They they for me have also been an absolutely stellar crew, and I think from a technical point of view, I think the GB Men's Four is probably the best best technical uh, rowers at the moment. I think when I watch them row. They are the most efficient and adding only value to the, the boat. I don't see them losing much efficiency in the, in the way they do things. So, you know, they are definitely, again, the, the crew to beat going into the Olympic season. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, but I think it's nice. I mean, we must, there's definitely always bias. I think we try to be as impartial as possible. But, uh, do yeah, we? There's, there's I feel always, like we don't try that hard. We do, I feel like we try, really, we try really hard to be impartial. I do, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's funny. Then... Yeah. Um, but I also think for the just the on the British forts, it's also a, a, a like it shows the the system how good their their rowing system is. Not necessarily the the athletes. It's how you can yeah. replace athletes and you can you know the pool is 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 deep and you can just bring new guys up and and keep this performance running over how many Olympic cycles have they performed in the men's fours is actually incredible. Yeah. Then moving into the the best in female. And yeah, what a we have some really really good uh, nominations here. And so, all these all these crews are undefeated, so we really did say the best for last year. Yeah. Every, all the crews you're talking about now have had undefeated seasons, so they really are the the top of their game. And um, you know the the nominations were the Romanians women's women's double, the GB lights lightweight women's double. Finally, Carolyn Florine from the Netherlands, who's taken the world by storm these last two seasons and is just getting stronger and stronger um, in the in the women's single skull. And I think to, to start off with uh, the sort of Romanian women's double, again, you know, they very consistent. I feel like maybe the most consistent crew in world rowing. And uh, besides that really close race at, at Europeans, it's, it's if, I, if I was a betting man, and I had to make one bet for next year's Olympics on the crew that's going to win. That crew for me would be the Romanian women's double. I think they are setting an unbelievable standard in the women's double and also a crew that I think can break the world record. Yeah, I agree. I think they're amazing. 
the Romanian women's team and we've already spoken about, you know, the leadership of that program and, and there's just a real sense of um, belief across that whole team that, you know, there was, there was a period of time, particularly for Romanian women's rowing, where they were so dominant, you know, in the two sort of late nineties, early two thousands. And, and there seems to be that feeling like it's, it's amazing when you look at a team as a whole and we saw it with the Dutch at the world's, but you've seen this in the Romanian team probably for the last two years, this real sense of belief that they're going to go out and do what, what they've been doing. So yeah, I think that they're an exceptional crew. Totally agree with you. But yeah, then we, we look at the, at the next one, which I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about in a minute, the, the lightweight women's double in the season they've had. Oh my God, how do you split, how do you split this award? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I I again voted for the, the British light, lightweight women's double and I'm noticing, to be honest, in these awards, I think people love the, the single scholars. I think they just always perform really well in this yeah. award. But like, I think they are, if you look at their journey of the the race that they had in, in Tokyo, which I think was really disappointing for them to, you know, finish just outside the medals there and turning that around and having spoken to Imogen and spoken to Emily, getting a sense of what they've been doing together and, you know, breaking the record. They really made this event their own. And uh, for me, that's why I voted for them. But ultimately, and by quite a big margin with uh, almost 50% of the vote, the people thought that Carolyn Florine has been the best female rower of the year. And I think that, again, is, is, is I think, no no surprises there that she's, she's come away with the win. Yeah, I think I also voted for the, the British uh, Lighty Women's Double. I mean, their, their performance, as you said, was unbelievable throughout the season, you know, enough you know, and, and and dominating the event, not just, you know, sneaking through the, the wins as they, they came along. But I also understand Carolyn winning this, this award. It's so close bet- between the two of them. And, and I mean, she's had an unbelievable cycle in the, in the women's single, you know, and some tough races and some big competition uh, coming her way and still managing to, to take the wins. And I mean, the, the way she's just kind of dishing it up down the track is is awesome mm. to watch and yeah i mean what a what a pleasure to watch so yeah i think another event that's going to be really interesting next uh, next year at the games but yeah i think very deserving carolyn florine to win the, the 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 best woman i did actually vote for for florine as well i um not as well you guys <laughs> voted for the british i i actually did vote for her <laughs> um i there's something about the way that she carries herself that is so impressive. You know, like I watch her, both her row, I watch her run the bow park and that sounds creepy. Like that. Um, and, uh, you know, see around the place. And she just has this calmness and coolness and maturity about her of someone who's been winning the skull for 10 years, right? Like she, there's something, she's sort of got this aura about her, which is just this unwavering confidence. and. It's almost like if anyone could could win a race on that alone and almost uh, defeat their their opponents before they've even taken a stroke, it's it seems to be her. Mm. She just has this aura about her, which I I think is really interesting to watch as she rose. You know, I'm I'm a big supporter of, of Emma Twig. I think that Twiggy is just you know she's an awesome person and and an amazing athlete. And I would love to see her challenge. And of course, Tara Rigney 
Um, our Scala, who who's won the bronze medal for the last two years, and as a breakthrough athlete, you know, of course, I want to see her her win as well. But if, gosh, you know, they've got their work cut out for them in in Caroline Florine. I think she's just exceptional. Yeah, and I a hundred percent understand what you're talking about because for me, she's actually one of the most intimidating people to to see around the boat park because yeah. she does I, I completely understand like when i look at her she's got this almost singular focus like when you look at her she's like yeah. holy shit this person is here for one thing and that's to win this event. <laughs> there's nothing else there yeah. it's just this this absolutely you know unstoppable force that's in in the, in the yeah. woman's single sky and you can see it by the way she races even in the warm-up area like it's just like a real um, real force of nature and uh, I love what you said that it seems like she's she's been around for a long time because you really do get that sense when you watch her race that she's sort of been winning this event for such a long time and I uh, mm. it's super interesting to have again in these events having like these sort of relative newcomers going against Olympic champions and Emma Twig who is for me up there with the you know the greatest women's scholars of all time you know having her racing against Caroline is just for me a a huge sort of you know it, it, it really gives a sort of sense of what the caliber at the moment in the women's single skull is and you know 714 that's what she raced at her final and winning in the in in style of 714 which is unbelievably quick in 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 the women's single so you know really a really amazing event and definitely a fitting way to end the awards as crowning the the best female row of the year in carolyn Floran. Well done, Jake. Well mm. said. The, there were two. There were two things though that are, before we wrap up, I wanted to check through. Is uh, Sarah was there any event or race that we you feel like we, we maybe we missed out that we we really should have uh, chatted about? I know we covered a lot, and then also, but maybe you have like a top commentary moment. I mean, the commentary from uh, you and Martin and Greg have just been it's been so awesome this this year. Well, actually, the last couple of years, I think it's just. I don't know, from my side at least, it feels like just getting better and better. There's more information. There's more like you just, we're so engaged in in watching the racing and, and you know, there's so many cool things. I think the highlight from my side with the commentary was at Lucerne when they were adding a whole lot of, you know, you had Mahi in the, in the commentary box. You had all these other athletes and, yeah, just adding new dynamics to to how we as, you know, consumers of rowing, or watching and 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 kind of viewing our sport. Thank you. No, I really appreciate that. I mean, this I've been doing it for ten years now. The the world rowing commentary and um, which which feels crazy. Um, so twenty thirteen <laughs> in in Korea was the first year that I did it, and um, and I've done the worlds ever since. Um, so you know, we I think we've developed a really nice rapport between the three of us. A, a bit of it makes it to air, but there's a lot of taking the piss of, of one another <laughs> yeah. between the three of us <laughs> most happens probably off air but a, a fair bit makes it on air the the funniest though is i quite often get stitched up by martin on air um where you know i'll have to try and work my way out of whatever he's put me in like they, <laughs> they make some of the funniest moments i think quite often my phone starts lighting up going oh you got your way out of that one well <laughs> um so it's those little it's those little moments on a daily basis basis where he intentionally puts me in something and then just watches me try to get my way out of it but um yeah look it's we have a lot of fun there it's long days doing um all of the racing but i think you know we we had a bit of a rotating schedule at the worlds this year i think which is nice to bring some 
some new voices and, and some local voices where we can um, in as well. Um, and it was great to have Mahe join us. You know, we started doing that at Lucerne where we bring generally someone in and it's it's quite often the um, the Tommy Keller medal winner. Um, you know, we had Hamish Bond um, one year. We had um, uh, Olaf Tufta one year. We had Mahe uh, this year. So I think that's really nice to bring the, the Tommy Keller medalist in um, for, you know, the, the races that are most special to them quite often. You know, with that as well, there's a bit of a bent towards the scholars. Um, so it's it's quite often those people. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's a lot of fun and, and we enjoy bringing it to, to everyone. And we're certainly not, well, I mean, Martin's about as professional as you get when it when it comes to it being a Ryan commentator. But certainly for Greg and I, it's something we dip in and out of mm. and, and we just have a, have a fun time doing it. So, yeah, and I mean, I'm just... Uh, yeah, to someone let an Aussie on the air. I don't know how, but anyway, I'll just keep running with it. But um, um, the two events we probably didn't speak about, which I thought um, were, you know, fantastic. I mean, every race is, is great, right? And everyone that wins the gold medal is is clearly exceptional. But I think um, the Dutch men's quad and, and the remaining women's eights, we haven't really spoken about today, but, you know, really dominant performances from them. And I've spoken about the, the ROMs a little bit. Um, and I think that their women's aid and what they're doing is is really special. So um, they're probably two deserved mentions that we didn't really cover off um, in the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I think the the that kind of the reason that we've kind of skipped over them is that both of those events have they've had better seasons almost. Like this was like mm. it was a it was a brilliant season from them, but it wasn't like the best season that they they've ever had. And I think. We'll yeah. see, I think, come, you know, the, the Olympic Games where these kind of crews that have this history, have these, like, uh, these dominating performances, if they can carry it through, then I think we'll speak probably mm. more about them next year. I mean, the Dutch, I mean, they were so awesome. I mean, they are so awesome to, to watch in that quad. It's, it's the most textbook rowing that you, you can get, and, um, and it's just almost perfection. So, yeah, let's see if they can kind of carry that through into into the Olympic Games. Just for me, the the Romanian team, I mean, we for me, the there's definitely some big big nations that have making themselves known on the rowing circuit. And these last couple of years, Romania have been unbelievable. The, the, at this year, they qualified every single event except for the men and women's single skulls. And like mm. for me, that is absolutely unbelievably impressive and i think it goes again when i talk about the romanian style of rowing and the spirit it's just such a big testament to you know what they bring to the table as a as a rowing nation you know with the women's side especially the the doubling up that you see is um is really really impressive that they're able to do that and there's no surprise for me that they've had such a successful season i think it would be really really cool to see the Romanians win the the eight next year, as um, as we know the pedigree, and we've mentioned it along the episode that they've got in that event. That's actually incredible that they have that they qualified everything except the the single skulls. Because like you would say, mm. if you're like speaking about the like way that they are, the way their team is operating, it's a team effort. You know, everyone mm. is doubling up. Everyone is like. It's this like joining yeah. this. You know, the, the the big team. There's not like big individuals at all. So the fact that they don't have scholars racing on their own is like it's not surprising at all. And the fact that they were killing it in the, all the other events, you know, makes mm. so much sense to me, which is just quite an interesting observation there, I think. But Josh, Sarah? 
thanks for for coming on the show and i think that's a wrap up for our awards episode you know we've we've spoken to martin we've had greg on the show and for me it was an easy it was it was an easy uh, guest to get on as in, in yourself and having you as a guest host on the show was a, was a real privilege and we're really looking forward to the upcoming season and seeing what the wall drawing commentary team has up their sleeve for you know for the racing ahead no worries thanks guys really appreciate the chance to come on and then to look at the season in review and i think next year's going to be um, a really exciting year as the olympics and the paralympics always are yeah, so for we'll sure it's to going it. to be incredible and now we've given out our prestigious road show mm. awards people are gonna you know those people are now that little bit more famous and uh definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah awesome. thanks awesome. so much and yeah that's uh that's a wrap